So a few announcements before the homily. First, to remind you, right after Mass, we have our weekly Novena to St. Peregrine for all those who are fighting cancer and for the consolation of their caregivers. So I hope you can stay for those prayers. Uh, the deacon candidate, I, and the servers will head over to the statue. We ask that you stay in your place and just face in the direction of the saint statue. Also, after the Novena, I'll be back in the confessional if anyone should have need of that sacrament. In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit. So what an interesting day we had in the United States of America yesterday. I want to join my small voice with the voices of so many greater than myself in denouncing any type of violence or harm. But we have to do so while we concurrently recognize the level of frustration and anger that are in the hearts of so many in our country. Now, while the breaching of the U.S. Capitol merits our attention and denunciation, we cannot forget the other major news story of the evening, the other news story surrounding that breach. Name of the election, the certification by the United States Congress of the election of a new president and vice president. It was a turbulent election, marked by many questions, some of which still have not been answered. But here we are. Here we are as an American people. Here we are as Christians living in a democratic republic. Now, biblically, we are taught that we receive the leadership we deserve. Hmm. And what is our new national leadership? Well, there are many ways of describing it, but let's call it by its simple and ugly name, socialism. Socialism, communism, Marxism, different names that deserve some academic distinctions. But when imposed upon a people, <laughs> Such academic distinctions really don't matter that much since the end always looks the same. And what does that look like? What does socialism look like? What drives it? Today in the gospel, we hear Jesus describe his work. Quoting the prophet Isaiah chapter 61, a highly messianic verse, a passage of scripture. Jesus will use Isaiah 61 in order to say that he has now fulfilled the role of the Messiah. Why? Because he has fed the hungry, he will proclaim liberty to the captives, he will bring sight to the blind. This is the work of God, the work of the Lord Jesus, the work of his disciples, the work of the church, the work of organized religion. We're called to continue that work. And we seek to do so faithfully in our own lives and as a parish community. Socialism claims to want to do the same work. So theoretically, therefore, it would seem that socialism in the church, that we'd be good friends. <laughs> Not so. Never. Why? Because socialism is diametrically opposed to the church in its worldview, its methods, and its means of action. Socialism is a horror upon a society. It's for this reason that socialism hates the church because it sees the church as the competitor and not simply the competitor but the one who actually fulfills the work it claims to do. The church unmasks socialism as a liar. It claims to care for humanity as it oppresses it and strips it of its dignity. This is why socialism hates the church. Every socialist regime in the history of humanity, the number one enemy is the Roman Catholic Church. Because socialism knows 
It has to take out the real deal so that its lies appear to have merit. Socialism is sly, dear friends. We have to keep our eyes on it. It starts small. It convinces even good people the benefit of its benefits. And then it slowly begins to sweep the horizon and it assumes control, total control, never granting to society what it claims to give to it. It is a liar. There are so many people who want to accept the lie and believe in what they know is a lie. History has proven time and time again that it is a lie. And yet so many are willing to eat that lie. Here's what socialism wants to give us. Universal health care. That's great. We don't want anybody to suffer. We believe that as Catholics. But universal health care run by the government, which supports abortion, which has a war against those with special needs, which now is pro-euthanasia. We want to trust that government with our health care. But the government says, no, 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 don't worry. We'll take care of it. We'll make sure everyone's respected. Lie. Socialism tells us, we'll give you a free market. But it's not free because it's controlled by the government. And it will be dictated by the government's laws and policies. We are told free student loans. Why does the man who left high school, graduates high school, goes, goes to trade school, establishes a successful plumbing business? Why would he be imposed on, with taxes to pay for someone who decided to go to college and drink and whore their way through four years of college? This hardworking American has to now pay for this other person's college debt? But it's not just college debt. It's college debt facilitated by the government, which means all of our Catholic universities, you play along or you will take your government money away. Programs that support free market or liberty, those programs will no longer be funded. Do we really trust government with the expression of ideas in university education? We are told that the government will give us freedom of speech. That's good. Oh, but wait. No, it's freedom of speech controlled by big tech that's protected by the government, which means it's not really freedom of speech. Socialism, it loves taxes because we are just a means to whatever they want. We are not truly citizens. We are just things. We're supposed to fork the bill, pay the bill for whatever they decide. Excessive taxes, especially on the wealthy, and they play this war against the wealthy, right? It's just going to be those who have $400,000 or more annually. That's all. But wait a minute. Those are the ones who are creating jobs. So if you know anything about economic theory, if you impose taxes on the wealthy, they stop creating jobs. Because why would they continue to run factories and companies if they're simply just constantly taxed? Immature but very convincing to the masses. Sure, sure, tax the wealthy. Yeah, get them, get them. Big daddy government, you get them. It fuels this and the social tension that comes with it. Socialism also tells us that they'll support small businesses, but then they excessively regulate them to their demise. Never forget that small businesses in economic practice, 
That's our last defense to the control of an overarching government, which is why government, socialist government, wants small businesses gone. Socialism tells us it will give us religious liberty, but it's a religious liberty that it bestows upon us as if it's a privilege, and it can be taken away or even can be manipulated, however government prefers. Look here, little sisters. You better provide contraception or we're going to even impose greater taxes upon you and penalties. What about religious freedom? No way, it doesn't apply here. I thought religious liberty was a right given by God. We are God. Government's in control. That's socialism. Socialism despises the family. It despises it. That's why it redefines it. Family can be whatever you want. Mom, dad, kids, whatever. Two dads, two moms, three moms, whatever you want. Family can be whatever you want. What about parental rights? Those are gone under socialism. Social rights, parental rights are seized by the government and are only approved at its pleasure. And the list goes on. And dear friends, if you think that I've created this list, I just went back and read the 20th century. The history of the 20th century. This is the textbook. Stalin actually describes this exact process. Adolf Hitler describes this process. We don't have to be overly creative. You see, because the socialists, they're idealists. Because they don't really care that it's a better society. They just know how control works. They know how fear works. So let's, let's not pretend that socialism is somehow a good thing. Or this will be a modified, controlled, democratic socialism. Impossible. Impossible. It cannot be, it cannot be completed. It cannot be done that way. We know. Why? Well, as Christians, it's easy for us because we know we're fallen. <laughs> and we know that power corrupts. And as Lord Acton teaches us, absolute power corrupts absolutely. So here's what socialism ultimately is seeking. It denies human dignity. It denies the primacy of the family. It refuses private property, whether that's capital or intellectual property. It denies self-determination. How dare you try to make yourself something into better? You will play the part that government has given you. Socialism continues by denying and opposing organized religion. At the end of the day, socialism believes that government and its managers know better what is, what is better for us than we do ourselves. Socialism really believes that they know better, that its system that it has created knows better what is better for you, for your parenting, for your family, for our society, for your religion. It knows better. And anyone or anything that challenges that must be destroyed, discredited, taken away. The person in the socialist system is only a means. That's it. We're just a means. One small, insignificant piece in the overall work of government. We mean nothing. Your families mean nothing. That's socialism. It's harsh. It's brutal. It's horrific. 
the horror of socialism is real. And we don't have to get creative. Read the early life of Pope St. John Paul II. When as a priest and young bishop, he had to fight, an archbishop, he had to fight the communists. This year in Poland, they declared it the year of the Cardinal Primate Stefan Wozinski, hoping that he might be beatified. Cardinal Wozinski spent his entire life either in jail, house arrest, or being beaten by the communists, the socialists, because he opposed these very things. People were made free by the blood of Christ and they must remain free. Self-determination must be the rule of the day. The family must be protected. Dignity must be cherished. The civilized society understands that. The United States has always understood that. But we don't even have to go to Poland or Lithuania. Years ago as a seminarian, I heard a bishop, powerful. I wish you could see this bishop and the scars as he described what it was like living under socialism. Because socialism hates the Roman Catholic Church. And he described the brutality and the thousands upon thousands of people who disappeared in the night. Their bodies probably buried in Siberia one day, known only to God. And he described the brutality and the torture under the socialists. We don't have to go to Poland or Lithuania or the former Eastern Bloc because in one respect that system was imposed upon them. We can go to Venezuela and look at what happened with socialism. The great promise that led to national bankruptcy and a government-controlled state. Or let's look at Argentina. Do you realize that Argentina was one of the most prosperous nations in Latin America? It was the great hope. And then they socialized and went to total ruin. And just this past week, they became the first country in Latin America to legalize abortion. The great accomplishment of the socialist government. Dear friends, this is what we have elected. Or this is what has been given to us. This is now our government in the United States of America. That means our task will be to now more than ever pray, find our strength in Christ, to speak boldly and loudly to continue the works that we heard the Lord declare today and to defend human dignity, family, religious liberty, small business, to defend the very principles, not only that we cherish as Christians, but that we have always cherished as Americans and as citizens of a democratic republic. This is now our task, dear friends. I've always told you the truth, Team Grace. We are in for a very interesting and turbulent four years. But I know that we are tough enough, brave enough, and strong enough in order to weather these coming years. So I ask you to dig deep. Find your source of strength in the Eucharist and the other sacraments. Be a voice. This is not the time to become complicit or compliant. Socialism does not need cooperators. What our government needs, our true government, and what our faith needs are witnesses and those who are willing to give testimony who are willing to call right, right, and to denounce wrong. I pray that each of us in our lives, in your homes, in your neighborhoods, in your places of work, that you are those voices. I know that under my leadership, Our Lady of Grace will always be that voice. We will stand for what is right and true and good and beautiful. We will defend our faith, and we will always defend 
the United States of America.